album Ghost of a King. And we're talking about the king. We're talking about Jesus. And we're tying it all in to actually the Old Testament. We're going way back. Actually, we're about to go back to creation. All the way back. So this is something. And right now we're talking to our general manager. I didn't say that, but we're talking to Ray (laughs) Haynes. And you're talking about how, if we think about it, truly Jesus was a part of creation. Yes, yes. You know, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. They said, we're here. Let us create. And Jesus, the Son, it's a very significant part of that. There's a lot of debate as who did what as part of creation. Yeah. And so uh, I don't want to settle that debate because it's a huge debate. But uh, the most significant thing, I think, is where we do see him in an unexpected place. Now, uh, Jewish scholars don't like this particularly, but I think it's true nonetheless. So we're going to talk about it. So Elul this month was when God first determined to create man. Now, uh, to do this, he has to create a world for them to live in and causes himself to be slain for them. There's a lot that has to happen for for the Son of God there. At creation, he's speaking light into being. He separates from darkness. Then the water's got to be separated from the waters above and below, the land, the seas. you got to have seed-bearing plants and trees to grow. He makes the sun, the moon, the stars, and with that, he creates time and all these seasons and feasts and all, and creates sea creatures and birds and all of that's going to happen this month, beginning on the 25th. All right? So not too far away, just three weeks. These activities all occur during the final week of the summer month of Elul. So when we talk about the new year approaching, uh, the fall feast, Rosh Hashanah, that is the day six. So this month, Elul, is really, when you talk about creation, that's what we're talking about. Mm-hmm. So when he spoke the universe into being, his first words on the 25th day of Elul were, uh, if you translate them in more of the King James, the, the, the flowery language, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. All right, in English. Now, in Hebrew, in Hebrew, uh, the names of the books are based on the first word of of the uh, particular book. And while ours is called Genesis, because it's kind of like beginnings, their book is called uh, Bereshit, and that's the word that means beginnings, Bereshit. And so that first verse would read Bereshit in the beginning, Bara, which is created. Elohim, which is God, so the verb, you know, flips itself there. And then there's this little word, it's the Aleph and the Taf, that's the first letter in the alphabet and the last letter, it's like the A to Z, if you will, the Aleph and the Taf. Occasionally, about 10,000 times, it comes together and forms a word. The word is a silent word, it's, it doesn't mean anything in English, they would pronounce it like something like that, it's almost like a, almost like a breath, Mm. Um, and then, so in the beginning, God created uh, Hashemin, the, the heavens, Vayet, and uh, the earth is Haaretz. In this, I made a kind of little chart, just kind of lays it out. So right in the middle of this seven words is that, mm. and that's what we're going to talk about. Um, those two words together, interestingly enough, you'll, you'll see them right after the name of God either right before, right after, typically after. These are the first and last letters of the alphabet, and it's one of the most common words found in the Hebrew Scriptures. Now, why is it here in his first breath? That's a big question. This is the very first thing can say anything to frame the world. What's it doing there? At the beginning of creation, before God could establish anything, he needed to create 
language, specifically the 22 Hebrew letters, numbers from Aleph to Taf. So he actually, in that moment, he's creating the very words he's creating to create everything. It's one of the reasons we study Hebrew so much is because it's more than just a language in words. It's the language of creation. So he speaks everything into existence, and it comes in this... So the Aleph and Taf combined as a word. Now that just in and of itself about 7,000 times in the Old Testament where God is right there. It's silent, meaning it's not spoken, but typically, I mean, the purpose of it in a sentence, grammatically speaking, is it points to the object of a sentence. So it has a purpose, but it's not in every sentence. So it's not like it's something that has to be there. So you have to ask, so sometimes you have objects and there's nothing pointing to it. Why is that? Well, there's a question not for me. The Aleph <laughs> denotes the first person in all things. Aleph, that first word there, is depicted as an ox head, and the ox head becomes the symbol of leadership. It's the number one. Remember, God is one, and there's no zero in their alphabet either because there's nothing before God. Mm. The three letters of Aleph, that word, and that is Aleph, Lamed, and uh, a pie. They're pictured as the, uh, or pay, they're pictured as the ox head, the shepherd's staff, and the mouth or voice. So even this word, Aleph, has a picture with it. There's pictures, there's numbers, there's words. So you have ox head, a shepherd's staff, and the mouth or voice, which means just this first letter of their alphabet, the voice of the chief shepherd, or the divine shepherd, if you will. So, if you think about each letter is also a number, the Aleph includes the Yud, Yud, Vav, and the Yud is the number 10, Vav is the number 6, so Aleph equals 26. And is that just an interesting thing? Well, it's interesting in the fact that it represents God, and the what other words are also 26? Well, uh, Yehovah for instance, is 26, which is God. So mm. it's, I don't study a lot of Gematria, uh, but it's an interesting kind of thing. But mostly this Aleph Tav is used with the name of God, Jehovah, to indicate the presence of God being there. Specifically, it's intended to reveal the Messiah. So his presence there is as creator, if you will. Everything's created by him and for him, the Bible says. In Bereshit, the letter bet is the first letter there. It's like their B is enlarged. And that's because it, and so the letter bet means house. So when it's enlarged, it means it's the house of God. Mm. Kind of a special thing. So the Aleph is made up of three parts. And so you think, why are you talking about a letter? What does this have to do with anything? Well, think about this. There's three parts to an Aleph. It looks like an X. You can always, It's really easy to spot in Hebrew. If you look at a manuscript, you see X up, there's the Aleph. Now, there's three parts of it. There's like this this division line, if you will. Then there's this little thing come up at the top and looks like a comma or, uh, I guess that's the best word, at the top and at the bottom. So the the pieces, the from left to right, there's that long line, but the other ones are made of small pieces, right? That makes sense, hopefully. Mm-hmm. It's hard to depict that on the radio. So the Aleph has three parts. It's the the Yud and at the top there and the Yud at the bottom and that long line is the Vav. So the Yud above is in the heavens. The Yud below is in the earth. So they're divided yet connected by that 
middle there. It's the Vav, the mediator. And that mediator is called the Ben Elohim, the Son of God. Mm. And Vav literally means nail. Mm. So the hands of God are connected by a nail mm. in the Aleph. So the Aleph, the letter Aleph is the, the Yud, the right hand of God, the other Yud, the left hand of God, and the Vav, the mediator, the Son of God, is between the two. I mean, there's a lot of imagery, and this is this is not Christians making this up. This is literally how they yeah. see it. Yet they miss Jesus on that. The hands of God on the earth and in the heavens is connected by the vav, the nail. So imagery in that one is just pretty huge, right? All right. So when Jesus spoke to the apostle John on Patmos in Revelation one eight, also at the very end of Revelation in twenty two thirteen, very similar conversation in the Greek, which our book of Revelation tends to be taken from, I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the ending, says uh, the Lord, which is, which was, which is to come, the Almighty. Now, if you read the manuscript of Revelation that's in Hebrew, it's located in the British Library, or you can read the Passion Translation, and it's taken from the Hebrew and Aramaic, and it reads this, similar to um, how we began the day, Ani Ahalef Vatav, I am the Aleph and the Taf, not the Alpha and the Omega, but the, I am the Aleph and the Taf, the beginning and the ending, says Jehovah Elohim, or if you would, of the Lord God, Ha Hava, who is, Ha Haya, who was, and Hai Yehiyah, who is to come, the Shaddai, the Almighty. So here we have the Haya, Hova, and Haya combined to form the four letters that, that are the Tetragrammaton into the name of Jehovah. So it's interesting that the rabbis call Genesis 1-1 the first menorah. Each word is a candle, and the Aleph Toph is the candle in the middle, which is called the helper, which you use to light the others, which brings us back to Revelation 1. I turned and I saw seven golden lampstands, and among the lampstands was someone, like the Son of Man, dressed in a robe, reaching down to his feet with a golden sash around his chest. And in Genesis, when we're introduced to Jacob and Esau, the Aleph Tav are in front of each of their names. But after Esau sells his birthright and blessing to Jacob, the name of Esau is used another 78 times, but the Aleph Tav is never there again because his birthright and covenant are gone. Mm. The presence of the Aleph Tav is the same with Ruth. The first 10 times her name is used, there's no Aleph Tav. But when Boaz redeems her, the Olive Toph is added in front of her name in the scriptures. When we take communion, we're literally taking his name as ours and putting our hope in the strength of his covenant. That's what it means. Like a Jewish couple at their wedding, sharing a cup of wine and smashing the cup so no one else can ever enter that covenant. When you drink the wine of communion, you're saying, I do, to his promise, and he's adding the olive toff mm -hmm. to your name. It's a very beautiful thing. Mm -hmm. Now, I mentioned when we first started that this day itself is hugely significant in terms of one of the most profound prophetic scriptures out there. Uh, it happened on this day, and it has to do with the other part of the olive toff. We talked about the Aleph. Now we'll talk about the Tough uh, coming up.